Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Matrix Breakers. Today, we have Tyler Nixon, an attorney, and in his own words, a recovering politician joining me today on this podcast to get into politics in 2020 and just to simplify uh, what's at stake here uh, and to give the regular person out there an idea of what, what to look forward to in the future of America, which is going to be really exciting. What's going on, Tyler? Not much. Good to be with you, Dylan. Appreciate the invite. Yes, sir. So tell us a little bit about what you're, what you're up to now and then some of your brief history and, and who you are. Sure. Uh, well, I'm a, uh, an attorney. I've been an attorney for almost 20 years. And uh, that was sort of my, my primary professional pursuit. Uh, I was in the Army Infantry for a few years and uh, served in the, uh, got out of the National Guard eventually as a captain. Um, so I've got new military service. Um, but I basically got into law primarily for public service um, when I was uh, in uh, seventh grade, I guess it would be. I sort of got the political bug bit me um, and it was like almost like it opened up before me as this is what you're going to do with your life. Um, I had been interested at the time in entrepreneurial pursuits. I always have been and still, still am to some extent as a, like on the side, you know, just uh, uh, various creative projects. Um, but primarily uh, I saw the importance and this was of course uh, around 1984 which was the Reagan era, uh, the middle of the Reagan re-election campaign in 1984. Um, and it was a very, very exciting time to be in politics. I think it really was one of the last, uh, last golden eras, I guess you could say, where mm -hmm. there really was a sense of Americana and there was a lot of faith, I think, in our institutions. And with some good reason, with good reason, I mean, there were people of stature, uh, men of stature, dare I say, uh, and some, some you know, great ladies too as well and involved in politics. And I think there was a certain dignity to it. Uh, I had worked with Senator William V. Roth, Bill Roth of Delaware. So if, if anyone's heard of the Roth IRA, which is a uh, individual retirement account, which was set up to allow individuals beginning, you know, as soon as they get into the workforce to invest some of their own money into an account that would be tax-free, in other words, sheltered, rather than just rely on Social Security. Um, from an early age, uh, literally from age, I guess, 12, when I sort of began this journey uh, over the last, uh, I guess it'd be 36 years in politics, um, I've always been, I, I dare say, conservative, but not conservative in the sense of, um, certainly not neoconservative, um, I would say I've leaned libertarian. When I say conservative, I mean limited government, uh, you know, rule of law, principles that, that are applied and upheld uh, that involve justice, uh, that involve um, equity, that involve uh, a, a self-governing republic of people rather than a unitary system of a tyrannical you know, state that just has ministers and, and bureaucrats that rule us, which unfortunately is what I think we've drifted towards. And I realized, you know, when I first got into politics over the years, my, I was very positive thinking and forward looking. I wanted to represent people. I wanted to bring my best talents to the table and to improve society, not society, I would say, but improve the political uh, culture, the civic, uh, civil society, maintain the civil society and civic culture. And um, what I found, unfortunately, was that politics very much is and has become increasingly uh, a career, a profession, and a scam in many ways uh, mm. for people to loot the treasury, to 
uh, rule people. Uh, I think, unfortunately, it has drawn increasingly over the years more uh, deviant personality types. I mean, literally psychopaths and sociopaths and people who are seriously deranged. Uh, I was actually just going to say that, just just not to interrupt, but yeah, just how lately we've seen a lot of politicians who get drawn into politics be, again, kind of sociopathic and have a control freak mindset because what we've seen more and more on both sides of the parties has been people who control, who like to lead, but like to actually take advantage. And I've seen that many throughout the political era. You, you nailed the term that I used, like to use most, control freak. And, you know, there are folks out there, they just, you know, unfortunately, when you have, in addition to having these, what I think is drawn these sort of psychopathological personalities and individuals who embed themselves into these, uh, Biden is an example. I grew up in Delaware. I, I went to church with Joe Biden. My mother knew him back when, from the, his high school days. I went to what his, his high school. I went to school with Bo and Hunter, his sons. I'd known the family very well. We lived, we had property next door to theirs in Wilmington. Uh, you know, this man is a, I, I literally in drafting ultimately was going to write the sort of definitive Biden book, but <laughs> defending Roger Stone in federal court and keeping him out of prison and dealing with the, uh, the witch hunt that went on sort of pushed that to the wayside. But my title for his, the book about Biden was going to be political animal because wow. this man has been nothing but a literal political animal his whole life. And I mean that in the sense that he's, he just is driven by his political ambition uh, yet he talks, he used to talk a good game. Um, now he's sort of unfortunately sliding literally into dementia. And I've known him right. for 30, 36 or more years. And it's very sad to watch. Uh, but then again, I think it's karma. This guy really does, has really done a number in so many ways uh, on, our, on our politics. He really was one of the original demagogues in the 1980s when Ronald Reagan was president. Um, and he, basically accused people like Jeff Sessions, who I'm not necessarily a super fan of, uh, but called these, you know, brought, brought the race card out. I mean, if you go to a, an address he gave in Baltimore, 1986 to the NAACP, it's like the whole template of racial recrimination against Republicans, against white people. Uh, you know, Biden's there stoking it while he's trying to counterfeit himself as a Kennedy with the lofty rhetoric of the Kennedys. Of course, it all mm-hmm. came apart for Joe in 1988 when it was found that he was literally cribbing word for word Bobby Kennedy's speeches, uh, John F. Kennedy's speeches, and entire life story sections from Neil Kinnock, a labor leader in Great Britain. Literally, it was like word for totally word. making up, grifting. Using the man's life story. I mean, it's one thing to like use another person's words, but he was adopting... Kinnick's speech in which he talks about his life story. And it's just, I mean, Biden has been a, just, I, I, I summed him up in this sense. Um, Biden has spent his life trying to prove uh, wrong what he thinks others think of him. And the problem is, is what they think of him is right. He is an idiot. He is a blowhard. He is a, uh, a, you know, braggadocio self sort of self-absorbed and very immature ultimately individual um, who I think is not suited to the presidency is not suited to any public office yet he's embedded himself in one for uh, you know 30 40 years I mean in Delaware we couldn't get rid of him he was elected uh, just after the year I was born and didn't even leave the office until 2008 till I'm uh, you know practically um, 40 years old 
and wow. you know, then his, and his son was made was attorney general. I mean, literally, he wanted to create like a political uh, dynasty. Dynasty, yeah, exactly. And this is this is the sense of entitlement this man has. And I can tell you stories, chapter and verse, about his uh, in Delaware. He treats people like peons. I mean, they would. I mean, I I know from firsthand information that his paper boy, when he lived in Montchannon, um, had the father of his paper boy had to go and knock on his door to demand that he pay his paper boy. They stiff everybody. The Bidens oh. are, grif- are grifters. I mean, literally the right. smallest person. They would bring in contractors to do tens of, tens of thousands of dollars of work on their homes uh, or their home as it may be. And then would just basically say, oh, you know, we don't like this. And the contractors would be, whoa, 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 we just did $50,000 worth of work. And they say, what are you gonna do, sue the senator? Or what are you gonna do, sue the vice president? You know, you're, you're screwed. Uh, I know a, a salon owner a British guy, uh, he and his wife own a, a hair salon in Rehoboth Beach, uh, or maybe it's Be- uh, Dewey Beach, but whatever it is, right, you know, that's where my mother lives, and Biden has his second house there. And this guy would get a call, and, you know, as he's getting ready to close, and, and it would be from, you know, the second lady's staff or whatever, the uh, Jill Biden staff saying, you know, you know the vice president's uh, whatever, the second lady needs, needs her hair done. She needs to be prepped for this event tonight, blah, blah, blah. She would show up with her retinue, the Secret Service. They would keep the place open, do all this work for her. She would just walk out, not not even pay them, Whoa. much less thank them. And the next time they called, apparently this guy said, "No, we don't care who you are. You're not you're not going to be. Uh, you know, that's not going to happen again." So um, they are really, frankly, this whole man of the people, Scranton Joe. I mean, Joe Biden is a fraud. From the beginning, uh, literally from the beginning. I mean, he bullshit. Excuse my French. He BSed yeah, his way. You thank you. He bullshitted his way into his Senate seat in 1972. By I mean, I know principled liberals, anti-war liberals, who I joined with in the anti-war movement under the Bush era when I parted ways with my fellow Republicans um, and became a Ron Paul, uh, his his representative's campaign guy in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was back. She was an anti-war activist back under President Nixon, anti-Vietnam, nineteen seventy, you know, seventy-two. And she said they asked Joe, like, "Well, how did you do this, Joe? I mean, you beat a sitting senator." And he admitted, he said, "I just told whatever audience I was speaking to, whatever it is they wanted to hear. You know, if it was the anti-war crowd, he was against the war. If it was the, you know, uh, the, the Hawks, he was for keeping, you know, victory in Vietnam." Um, so the guy is just a cipher. He's never had an original. Uh, or frankly, use, usable or workable idea in his life. All he's ever done is try to capitalize on uh, situations. He's a situational self-promoter. Mm-hmm. So during the Iraq War, he was promoting, uh, you know, let's partition the country. And that's why Robert Gates and and I think McCain even, who I have no use for either, um, said that basically Biden has been on the wrong side of every issue in foreign policy in the last 40 years, and he has. And it's right. because he's constantly trying to triangulate somehow or to make himself relevant but he's not relevant. He's, he's never been relevant and he's not intelligent either. He doesn't have any original ideas. I mean, he's just, he knows how to promote himself. And he's, a, he's frankly a, as he's gotten more uh, down the line into the, uh, into his Senate career became very, in my opinion, underhanded, insinuating himself into situations and like, you know, self-dealing. And then you eventually saw what happened if you read Peter Schweitzer or anything that's gone on to where he's basically, it's been, using his influence to enrich his family and his family members, you know, his brothers, his sister who has run his campaigns. Um, And I'm kind of veering off into Biden because I know the man so well for so many years and have studied him. But it's so important because he's running now. And, and the thing about it is it seems like 
uh, it's such a spiritual because it's such a representation of not just where the Democrat Party is, but it's really just big bureaucracy versus this Trump character, this sort of renewed American populism. And it's just like Joe Biden, based on what you're saying, and, and it just so happens that, you know, you, ha- you know him so well and some of the family that he is the epitome of a grifter in politics that because he's not alone. There's many stories of probably state legislators, local politicians and just all throughout that end up kind of like Biden. But look at this guy. He is like the, the professional at it. Uh, and oh, yeah. then he gets into a place where he's at today. Absolutely. He's a phony, deceitful career politician, a ladder climber, a self-promoter, a glib con artist um, who's afflicted this country. I mean, I literally was trying to write a book, as I mentioned, about him. And I, and I thought, all I can do is just sort of recount all his failed attempts to make himself relevant. He has no accomplishments to speak of in his life in terms of his, other than, frankly, the, uh, his 100,000 cops and the drug war thing that he did you know, trying to outdo the, you know, George W. H. W. Bush and the, uh, the drug warriors who created this monstrous, uh, horrifying uh, drug prohibition regime that has gutted inner cities, jailed and, and millions of, of nonviolent, quote, offenders, uh, right. has destroyed lives and from generations, if not entire generations of families, uh, has created the drug cartels that are now multi-billion dollar, frighteningly organized and vicious operations operating just below our, you know, uh, southern border, who in or part of the influx of uh, illegal immigrants into this country. Uh, it has caused... Um, people who could have gotten treatment, who truly have, you know, drug issues, dependency issues. Uh, I'm with Gary Johnson and Ron Paul, disease, dependency, and death. Those are what we want to prevent. You don't do that by having a war. There's not a war on drugs. It's a war on American citizens who happen to either possess or choose to ingest unpreferred, uh, you know, or disfavored substances of which, you know, the pharmaceutical companies have killed more people uh, by leagues and and leaps and bounds than any uh, illegal uh, substances have. My father was on Plavix, uh, which is a a blood thinning medication, um, and he had a massive hemorrhagic stroke and he died after having triple bypass surgery. Now, he probably had other conditions that were similarly related, but I blame they couldn't stop the bleeding in his brain because of Plavix. Now, I found that this turned out to be a trend amongst this uh, people who were assigned this drug. You look at Vioxx killed, you know, I don't know, hundreds, if not thousands of people. Uh, It was supposed to be a, a I thought it was a weight loss drug, whatever it is. I'm saying that, you know, this is, this is the fundamental and, and what makes Biden particularly pernicious is that he did it all just to pander. You know, he didn't care about drugs. His kids were, but you know, Hunt Biden is the biggest Coke freak you'll ever meet. And his, mm-hmm. his daughter, the same thing. Uh, absolutely were strung out on, you na- you know, all of it. And Biden knew about, he, there's no way he didn't know about this, you know? Cause I mean, I remember Hunter right. Biden was busted in high school when we were, when he was a junior, I think I was a sophomore and someone else took the fall for him, you know, took like basically took the fall. Uh, right. So that so that the senator's son didn't have to, you know, have his career ruined or anything that, you know, he secured through influence a slot in the Navy at the age of something like 40. I forget what it was, 40, whenever, uh, 42 or four. This is unheard of. You don't go into the military at that age. You know, you got this right. plum public affairs job that basically jilted somebody, some righteous young officers or, or uh, 
you know, mili- soldier, well, sailor in this case, who would have deserved that slot was bumped and didn't get it so that Hunter Biden could have it. And, you know, Hunt couldn't control himself. So he shows up to his first, uh, in, you know, entry, initial entry training with cocaine in his blood. It's like, dude, you, you just spit. I mean, these people are, they're, they're parasites of the highest Hypocrites. order. And, the hypocrites, parasites, they are a menace. Biden created the Rave Act, his you know, sequel to the 94 drug war, where literally you want to talk civil asset forfeiture and these horrifying things where they come in and just take people's property and give them, you know, prosecutors able to just literally steal from people because there might have been somebody on their property that, that had some connection to illegal uh, you know, drug trade or whatever, or just, just possession even. And uh, to the point where, you know, the glow sticks, the uh, night sticks, yep, like yep. we use them in the military, they were classified under as drug paraphernalia because of raves, because of these parties, the kids would use the glow yeah. sticks. I mean, how sick is this? You know, and to pander to the mothers that, you know, it's like, dude, you are such a, a charlatan. It's like, and the damage this man has done to make him present. And now he's just basically has lost his mental faculties and is literally a puppet for the radical left, the screeching, squealing, deceitful, rapacious, uh, just Marxist left in this country that for some reason yeah. has managed to gain purchase in the Democrat Party, has taken it over, and is intent on destroying this country and everything that's good about it and life as we know it, frankly. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and what, what I was going to say, you know, what I can kind of see as well is that Joe Biden's life and now his position, his pulpit position to be, you know, this presidential nominee, it just goes to show that um, they really are a decaying and dying breed, that, that entire type of person. And it's just kind of, um, again, going back to the, just the representation overall of politics today, that there, there's, a, there's this, um, the, pol- the political nature of where we are in our government has brought about a Trump, right? And, oh, and yeah. this sort no, of no explosion doubt. of populism to respond to what you are explaining through your decades of experience of a decaying political theme, a political atmosphere where there's no virtue anymore, there's no honor, and and they're all they're all sort of in on it. Um, so they can't expose themselves, you know, they can't point the finger at one another you know, because they're all corrupted by some way. They're all blackmailed in some way. And this, this sort of, this grifting mentality of wanting to stay in politics, that's what gets me is this congressional term limits and stuff, because these people who want to stay in politics because of this, you know, the gain that they get over time, I think it just hurts. Like it's like people like you and I, maybe we, if we ever ran for office, which I know you have, um, it, I, I think in my head, you know, I, I would rather just, you know, maybe this, this is four years of my life or maybe five, you know, not, not, not some grandiose new career path change. It would be more like a temporary thing. But, but some of these, again, and, and you're a lawyer that, but some of these people go to law school. They, I'm an attorney. School, I'm not a have, lawyer. Oh, attorney. Yes. So, but some of these lawyers. I'll, I'll tell you about the difference. To, of, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, but some of this, some of these lawyers who go and they get involved in law and they get involved in the politique if you will, I think they just get obsessed with this idea of getting voted in to a place and just, you know, kind of staying there for a long period of time. But go ahead and share what you wanted to share there. Well, it's no, it's a popularity contest for psychopaths. I mean, honestly, because look, you know, we used to have a tradition in this country where it was a citizen's representative, a representative uh, republic. I mean, I look back at uh, 
the, the tradition in Delaware, for example, from my, you know, where I grew up and, and just in general in the country, I mean, I looked prior to say 19, the 1960s and 70s, um, you would have a new uh, representative like every four terms or so. A senator would only be in office for maybe two terms. That was it. They naturally self-term uh, uh, limited. And this became this, as, as Washington grew into this giant, rapacious, monstrous power center and money uh, money um, exchanged, you know, Laundering. first of all, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, first of all, money flows through it. It's influence purchasing and peddling with the iron triangle where you have special interests, you have someone who represents those special interests, um, and then you have a constituency of people and they just, it feeds itself into a cycle. We create bureaucracies we can never get rid of, you know, Correct. because you have the bureaucrats have their job, vested interest in the jobs. The people who are fed by that bureaucracy, like the you know, teachers unions, for example, say the department of education, which shouldn't exist in the first place, at the federal level. Uh, and then you have the representatives who are shuttle donations, you know, from, from these, uh, these entities like the NEA um, and keep, keep the whole thing going and protect the whole enterprise. Um, right. I mean, the FDA is an example of this, you know, the rent seeking that goes on and the, uh, you know, creating barriers to entry for anybody limiting our, our, I mean, it comes down to like, do you know what it requires to start a business in this country anymore? I mean, every time I've come up with a, a really great idea and a timely idea along with other people for a business, for a, some type of enterprise, the one thing that's always stood in the way is always, always, always been Regulation. regulatory compliance. Yeah. Regulatory compliance with uh, taxation, you know, structuring. I mean, you have to have practically, um, you know, a, a, a part like a, a minor, if you had a major, like in your degree, you have to have a minor in, you know, bureaucratic compliance and, and, and it's arbitrary and constantly changing. And it's like, okay, well, so what is, what does that favor? It favors big corporations, which is correct. what they want. They don't want mom. This is whole thing with this, uh, this, scamdemic i'm sorry but like the whole thing that's, that's shutting down these businesses was to destroy small businesses and inter individual and in, in, uh independent enterprises so that hey listen you know that's a big big uh uh payoff in a sense to all these giant corporations especially in tech and it's disgusting it's absolutely um i, I want to add to what you just said to because this is the way I explain it. Um, it's crony capitalism. And this is why people don't like capitalism. Crony corporatism. Crony yes. corporatism. And this idea that you, once you get big enough in the market, once you get big enough, you get a whole, you know, either you outsource a law firm that becomes your legal entity that therefore becomes the lobbying group that therefore speaks on behalf of your interests of maybe possibly even in some cases, some of these larger corporations are creating regulations to oh, put absolutely. on the little guy. So you that's it, what man. the people hate. And they don't know that though. They don't really think it all the way through, but it's actually these large corporations that go and pay for this kind of new rule. So instead of innovating and creating, they either buy you out, but if you, if you don't want to sell, then they, they outregulate you. They basically get on a local government, state, you know, or federally, they make new rules. So instead of innovating and competing fairly, they change the rules of the game that make you that small, good idea, you know, irrelevant. And that's the problem in the country. And not only that, but even patents, lots of hidden patents, you know, that are bought up and sort of oh, kept yeah. secret forever, uh, just, you know, just so they don't have to compete with it. And so I guess in, in a transitional way, kind of talking more positively in a way of like, how do we get from this consolidation of power? You know, we have Trump and I look at Trump as kind of a beachhead, 
Uh, he's kind of the beginning of maybe, maybe getting people's gears turning to maybe start thinking about sort of not non-politicians coming in, but really kind of re-innovating. This is a real good opportunity, I feel, to re-innovate every part of government. Uh, not re-innovate as in like, let's make something new, some utopian communist future, but re-innovate as in going back to the principles and cutting away a lot of the bureaucracy that exists. And, or and just in your definition, what, what would that change look like? Like, not just what's, what's going to happen with Trump four more years and how do we get there, but then what's kind of like after Trump and, you know, how do we bring American exceptionalism, you know, back and, and realize the importance of that? Well, if anybody can do it, I think, you know, the, it, it would be the American uh, free enterprise system and, you know, free enterprise competition. I mean, a competitive system of free, you know, competing. That's really what it's all about that, that has created the innovation and the, um, uh, the developments that have maintained Western civilization, frankly, from the abyss of, of you know, collectivism and uh, you know, the authoritarianism that has uh, swept across the world in one form or another and still exists and still creeping. You know, that it's all about consolidating power. Um, you know, I think, I'll tell you what, it's, it's tough because I felt as though the, the, uh, the tools of technology that have been introduced, you know, when I was a young guy with an Apple IIe and I thought, this is going to be amazing. This technology is going to liberate people. I never envisioned that it was going to be used as a tool of manipulation and almost enslavement in many ways, which is unfortunately what has become of it. And, um, but I think they ultimately cannot ulti uh, stay ahead of the curve in terms of individual uh, genius and, and people's desire to be free, to desire to have choices. I mean, we have, an, we have, a, we have a scenario now where you have people like uh, – uh, Bernie Sanders and Ocasio-Cortez, who are talking about, you know, Medicare for all. They're talking about consolidating people's, you know, the access to medical care, uh, health care, whatever you want to call it, into one size fits all, you know, bureaucratic centralized solution. When we have a, a tool at our disposal, the internet and, you know, the World Wide Web, whatever you want to call it, that has like created the possibility of endless options and endless tailoring and the ability to um, pick and choose and, and, and competition, you know, and this is like, this is insanity. I mean, I, why young people, uh, it's a mystery to me, I guess I'm 40, I'm going to be 49 in 14 days and how people who have all these options and all the ability to individually distinguish themselves would want to like create and put all their investment into these Pied Piper politicians and these like, uh, utopian schemes that, literally eliminate choice and eliminate even the possibility of choice by eliminating private healthcare companies and destroying these companies as, as, you know, as large as many of them are and still aren't even necessarily, and even they uh, rig the field against smaller competition in many cases, as you alluded to earlier, which was a very, yeah. in my opinion, astute point um, is the, you know, look at, look at, for example, and I just real quick side trip here, licensure for uh, pro business professionals at state level, you have to go and get permission to make a living with your talents and your knowledge. I mean, that's insane. I mean, I was remember paying license fees in uh, back in Wilmington, Delaware to the city of Wilmington, which does not regulate attorneys. And even the state itself for the state license I have didn't regulate attorneys. I was regulated by the Supreme court of Delaware um, and same, you know, in California where I hold, hold my license. And yet I had to pay more than anybody else to this city government on the claim that, you know, I can't do business unless I have a license. I'm like, well, what am I getting for this? You're not regulating the industry. You're not protecting the public. You're just 
like basically it's just tribute money. It's either pay us or we'll shut you down. And that's exactly what the license thing is. And it's been used in uh, many professions like the taxi medallions. I don't know if you're familiar with the old taxi cabs. Look at the old taxi system where the, literally in New York City, you had to get these ultra expensive medallions so that you could operate, right? They have some go for half a million dollars. So you could have wow. this because the, there were a finite number of them, right? And they right. were like literally sought after because you couldn't operate a taxi cab in the city. And they supposedly regulated them, but they were, I mean, they were run down usually. I mean, they had some level of um, uniformity, but not necessarily quality. And then you look, right. they brought in Uber and Lyft. I'm like, this is like, I never took, I would always drive or figure something out rather than ever take a cab or like some sort of hired service. Right. But when I started using Uber and Lyft, I was like, this is amazing. This is yeah. plugging people in. This is filling a need with the most efficient way possible with choices, with like absolutely competitive rates. Look what they're, they're, they're about to pull out of California because these nut job socialist uh, fascist really. Uh, I was going to say it's fascism. It's fascism. It's basically maintaining corporate, uh, anything that's corporate and that's in that the government can sort of either be in bed with or set up as the um, arbiter of any kind of profession or business. That's who they favor. And in this case, I mean, uh, they've, they're trying to apply late, the already insane labor laws of California, uh, you know, th that involve um, providing health care to employees, no matter even if they're just an hourly wage worker. Just, just that, just that alone, though, is a perfect example of where you get large enough, like Uber, and you cozy up to the state, and then the state turns on you eventually. Oh yeah, no, and of so course. people yeah. don't think it through, and people need to realize that that is what socialism brings. You're, you're, you're cozying yeah. up. You're good with the, you're good with the government. You're, you know, you run electricity there. You do the rideshare stuff, or you're, you're a part of the company that facilitates steel or something. But then as soon as you know, as soon as something happens and you, you, you go a d different direction that the government wants you to, they'll crack down. They have no loyalties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They have no loyalties. So whatever they're promising you today, they'll take away tomorrow. I'll give you two quotes. One is from Ronald Reagan. He said, "You know, any government or any entity that's big enough to give you everything is is also big enough to take everything away from you." And the other quote is, "Be careful of big government uh, you wish for; it just might get you." And that's my my own quote. So yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, I just like, again, I, I think the future is one in which it's going to require some upheaval because these institutions have embedded themselves. And then unfortunately, we've got a new generation, particularly with the tech giants who have totally like, uh, I mean, my God, we went from, oh, this is a, a cute little thing. We can all, you know, be, stay in touch with friends and communicate into this, this massive um, monolithic censorship and political manipulation juggernaut. I mean, yes. who thought this was the, what we signed up for? I mean, I was a late adopter because I was very skeptical of these. Like, I'm like, this is too like creepy to me. Everybody's Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. And I'm like, okay, I, yeah, I get it. And I finally got on. I thought, all right, that's fine. And like literally within a few years, it immediately began censoring and deciding who can say what and speech codes. I mean, it's like literally using the means of technology to enforce uh, dogma, militant Marxist in some case, certainly leftist and control freak dogma. And, and uh, you know, these people are zealots and, I, you know, wherever they're coming from, I don't know who these, uh, whatever you want to kind of want to be, I don't want to be frankly um, denigrating them necessarily, but like, who are these people sitting in the offices or the basement of Twitter and Facebook determining these arbitrary randos who think that it's their God given right somehow, or they're, they're, uh, responsibility or much less that they should ever be able to like censor 
thousands and millions of people's views who have. And what like, I say to that also is, if you have to censor somebody else's views, I said I said something on my on my Facebook one day. I said, if your politics requires you to disarm the population and to censor other ideas, perhaps consider a revision. Because yeah, well, if you're, yeah, you don't have any weakness. That's total weakness. It's an, it's yes, a concession. It's total weakness. You're, you're, you can't even get, uh, you can't even persuade people with whatever it is you're proposing. You have to force it on them. You have to impose it on them. That's ultimately what Monopoly it comes down to. Monopoly of thought. Right. Exactly. Is that I've always felt um, from the earliest days when I learned about uh, conservative values in the sense of limited government. Uh, justice, um, a you know the the idea of the rule of law, but one that uh, answers to um, only uh, doing things with regard to the law, or the ju uh, judicial system, or justice that that are required to keep order and to prevent harm from other people. I basically have drifted more and more towards. Uh, I eventually ran as a Republican and Libertarian candidate. I mean, I say small L Libertarian. Unfortunately, I think it's been it's been beaten up. But ultimately, whatever it is, I believe in individual liberty, individual distinction, and I think that will be the path forward that removes. Because ultimately, I think these giant institutions are too unwieldy, and they're too um, they can't. You can, I mean, how much? control can be exerted by this massive, I mean, China is an example of that, but they've cowed their citizenry into this. And I think the Chinese people at the individual level yearn to be free. I mean, we saw Tiananmen Square, which they tried to right. obliterate as an event. And yeah. I think ultimately you have all these choices and all these options and all these abilities to be, uh, you know, individually distinguish yourself from others and truly create a unique identity for yourself in your life. Uh, and, you know, like whatever you think of like these folks who are t talking about gender, you know, this stuff kind of, I mean, I kind of weirds me out a little bit. I'm not, not, I'm not saying, you know, whatever you believe what you want to believe, live and let live is my, yeah, is right. my, my thing, as long as you don't harm other people, but um, which makes it so odd that they would sign on to this massive, um, you know, power mongering, megalomaniacal sort of collectivism of like one size fits all. We have to impose this on you. And it's become really aggressive to the point now we see it just like literally they're trying to tear down. They would rather tear down and destroy and burn down our society and our civil or the civil society if they can't control it, if they can't get people to march to their tune to literally it's not enough that you even agree with them you have to profess their faith you have to uh it's cult-like you know you have to you have to hold your fist up and you, you have to basically mouth the words and you have to you know it's it's the old um in the soviet union when in the height of the stalinist era the terrors that you know stalin his ilk inflicted on the uh, russian people where it was like literally people were executed or imprisoned in gulags for not clapping loud or long enough during you know one of the premier the premier speeches they Yes. minders watching you you know if you didn't clap whoever stopped clapping first uh, that's get rid of him you know i mean literally that's how it's it's terrorism this is just history and and this is just the reality and people are so disconnected from that and they don't understand the especially young people they don't know their history they look at america as this like racist and you know horrible country that you know exploits workers and exploits minorities and is so horrible and so again it's so crazy that we live in a world now where you have to remind people that slavery exists to this day in other parts yes. of the world and that there are other parts of the world are horrible and america is this like little teeny tiny bastion of light that's left in the world you know and you'd see a revitalization here but i mean also around the world any thoughts on that 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, Winston Churchill said it best. I think he said, he was speaking of democracy, but not pure democracy. He meant like yeah. the sort of constitutional republicanism, which sort of is, you know, called democracy. He said, you know, democracy is the worst form of government on this earth, except for everything else. You know, it's like, okay, it may not be, it may not be perfect, but it's still what we have here is better than anything else on this earth. I mean, I would listen to the, I would urge anyone to listen to the final speech of Herminio Hernandez, I forget the guy's name, but he was, uh, he basically spoke at the Republican National Convention at the end. He was a Cuban, I guess, refugee and said, you know, don't let these people take over. Don't let them destroy this, this, this place because this is all there is left. And his father said, if, if this place falls, there's nowhere left to go. You know, we are the last beacon, last hope. And frankly, you know, we're struggling right now because we have people who are, have the same ilk that have uh, basically uh, wrought havoc on this earth for a couple of centuries with their daft, uh, uh, you know, utopian insanity. Um, the notion that they can rule from on high. I mean, Bernie Sanders is a perfect example of this. Whenever you hear a politician, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. First, I say, first question is, who is we? Okay. Because you don't represent my beliefs. Okay. So this we obviously is a royal we. It's a ruling we. And, you know, we were founded as a country to protect the rights of I or me or you, you know, in other right. words, the individual rights, you know, that that's what this country exists to uh, foster and protect and government's supposed to protect our rights and stay out of the way instead of defining our rights and basically being our ruler. We are supposed to be a self-governing Republic of, uh, under a constitutional system, not a, uh, a subjects to some ruling entity, a ruling class. And I think, um, I think educate yourselves, to anybody who hasn't educated yourselves as to the history, you know, look into what communism, socialism, collect. I mean, you know, they talk about left and right. Let me tell you something. All authoritarian ideologies are left wing. Okay. The Nazis, the fascists, they're all left wing. They're collectivists. They, they're collectivists. They are authoritarians. They're authoritarian statists. Okay. Meaning they, they believe in a centralized super state and it's an authoritarian or totalitarian. But, but, and, and just to add to that, they believe in it because even the most well-meaning, well-to-do person who believes in it, just think about it. They want to control everything because other people, it's this fundamental thought that the, the individual is too stupid and is uneducated and doesn't know how to take care of themselves. And, you know, they're the virtuous ones. Yes, exactly. No, no, totally. They put themselves out of, they, they think humanity is perfectible, ironically, yet they think humanity is, you know, the mass of humanity is too imperfect to be able to handle their own, you know, to handle these big issues. And it's like, well, wait a minute, I'm sorry, were you not part of the human race? You know, so it's this, I, I have this little circular um, little representation of letters and says we need government because people are not virtuous enough to, you know, in other words, it, it's a circle. It's like saying, uh, you know, there's somehow that I would urge you to listen also Milton Friedman, uh, a, a uh -huh. great man who said, you know, he was uh, doing an interview with Phil Donahue and he said, you know, who are these angels among us who are so uh, much better than all these horrible people that they need to like, uh, you know, step in and, and control things and have these grand solutions and, and elegant schemes, which ultimately just end up screwing things up worse, creating distortions and frankly, harming people ultimately. And they never account for it. They just keep coming back with their same utopian bullshit vision. Um, and then we see it with, you know, again, like Ocasio-Cortez, it's like universal healthcare. It doesn't work. Okay. How many 
frigging people have to die. A hundred million plus in the 20th century have uh, perished, you know, to these people in China alone, probably anywhere from depending 40 to 60 million uh, with the red brigades and the, the cultural revolutions that went on there that are frankly what we're seeing in the streets today. It's not Stalinist. It's not even Marx. It's Maoist. I mean, like literally shaming people, you know, like little mob squads uh, going up and like menacing people and dismissing uh, elders as being just uh, out of touch with reality, unless there's some, uh, you know, a dear leader type like Bernie or uh, in Biden's case, just a, a well, they have puppet. no, they have no leader. I actually asked this question. It's like, they don't even have a leader. If I, if I asked the random, you know, anarchist, whatever, running around doing stuff, it's like, hold on a second leader, you know? Yeah. Anarchists. Okay. This is, this is why this kind of angers me because I'm at heart an anarchist. In the, uh-huh. and, and when I say that, okay, people think anarchists uh, are running around trying to just create chaos and trying to destroy the existing, you know, whatever. These are Marxist revolutionaries, insurgents, insurrectionists, whatever you want to call them. Anarchists, which could also be called voluntarists in the correct form, are people who simply do not recognize the inherent validity of authority, which uh-huh. ultimately, if you listen to Larkin Rose, who I commend to you, like I'm an anarchist at heart, but I acknowledge we live in a world we require uh, order has to be maintained by, by organizations. But at the same time, right. it's like there is no God. I mean, you cannot confer rights on a collective, which you don't have individually. I can't go out and arrest people and murder them with impunity. So neither can any of these. In other words, what, the, what they want to do is create. And frankly, it's a religion. It's become a religion, the religion of government. They have their uh, they have their scriptures and all these statutes. They have their ministers or their priests and all these bureaucrats. They have their temples and these you know great buildings and they have their, their rituals such as elections, you know, which supposedly invest in these people, the, the ability. And I mean, look at what they've done under this so-called pandemic that they've uh, manufactured out of thin air. They're just issuing orders as though they have the effect of law. When Correct. it's like, who the hell are you people? Do do you think and you we're are? we're lucky to live in a country where they don't have those rights. And we're lucky to actually, I mean, again, how can somebody argue that healthcare, universal healthcare in this today's world now? I mean, uh, an authoritarian control over all of healthcare, which we already know there's already a monopoly there anyways with the pharmaceutical drug industry. And there's different problems already. It's like, why would you want them in charge completely where you had no other decision? Like, I want to go take a vitamin or do something different with your health. You are not allowed to, according to the state. And that's because the state funds it or you really do because you pay the taxes. And I wanted to uh, mention the, uh, the, the, the anarchist thing too was interesting. It's like, so like you said, there has to be order. And I was reading in a book about freedom. It's kind of like, well, you know, it's like it, it did this whole road scenario where it's like, we have freedom in this country. We can do whatever we want. But then it was like, well, you can't drive on the opposite side of the road because then, you know, you can hit somebody's somebody else. And it was like, so you have enough freedom in the country to where you shouldn't be infringing on other people's freedom. Yeah. And it's I this love this roads argument. Because yeah. yeah. government, government, you know, performs a basic function in a infrastructure means that we have socialism and they should be able to tell you how to live and what to put in your body and, and, and remove all your, you know, it's absurd. I mean like, Oh, cause roads are so complicated to build. Right. You know, right. Honestly, it's just a matter of marshalling resources in the most efficient manner. I mean, it's absurd. These people think that they're like somehow, uh, and here's the thing is their track record is garbage. I mean, look at the, look at the inefficiency and the waste and the frankly destruction caused by government, the tarp, uh, the whole thing that happened when the, uh, uh, collapse in 2008, which was engineered as it was by banksters, wall street, all that, you know, the, you have to bail us out, you know, so they collapsed the economy, practically housing prices. They took 
under the cash for clunkers system. And I don't know, this is, I guess, 12, 11, 12 years ago. So if you're young and you don't know about this cash for clunkers, they said, we have too many, you know, any vehicle that's like meets a certain criterion is going to be destroyed and you'll be given money for it. They were destroying perfectly good, literally zero mileage trucks and vehicles, pouring concrete in these engine blocks. It was the, the most profligate destruction of, of resources and, you know, stored capital in the sense of like goods and services in history. I mean, wow. they crushed thousands and tens of thousands of perfectly good vehicles to, to, in order to prop up general motors and these, you know, whoever they chose, you know, and, and still the American, uh, ideal of in, the ingenuity, the stick to the, of an, a Elon Musk who, who has been subsidized to some extent, but nevertheless, I mean, a Tesla is, this company is against all odds. I mean, they're dealing with right, a but we very should novel. Sort of, we should help. The government should in a way subsidize some good ideas, not necessarily fund it or, you know, but yeah, like you said, like invest in we, uh, the yeah. future and in a sense. In a sense, yeah, they didn't. They didn't get. It's not direct subsidies. What it comes down to is, is people think, oh, well, they're getting money directly. It's in the tax system. Okay, it's exactly. being exempted from. I mean, when you have a, a confiscatory, punitive taxation system, giving people little breaks and cuts is like so much power. I mean, it can really mean a, the difference between a company make or break a company or even a person in their you know personal life, which is another place where. Um, the idea of this, you know, this this uh, tax system, the income tax. First of all, in taxing income. This is supposed to be a progressive idea. This is supposed to be like the idea of, um, uh, you know, this is for the people and all this. Like, right? Okay, giving so, to so, the poor, so yeah. let me. You're taxing labor, people's labor. That is that is terrible. Like that. Talk about a regressive tax. I mean, people work by the sweat of their brow. They're not, you know, have don't have huge resources to marshal and to invest. And, and that sit, tax system pass, is not constitutional. Income. Just, That's just why for Trump's, people to understand. Oh, totally. No, it isn't. It's Again, it's a travesty. It was barely passed by any sort of legitimate, in my opinion. Uh, you know, It's so funny. It came about in 1913. It was a really bad year. You had Woodrow yeah. Wilson, the progressive, uh, racist, nightmare, technocratic, you know, original uh, um, sort who of- Who said cars were for the rich. Original globalist, yeah. Yeah. Who basically in, it brought us the Federal Reserve, the tax system- uh, and what else? I mean, or, or the in income tax, which began as just a little simple one page form that was like, you know, 1% of your, your gross and, or I don't know, they had deductions, but look at what it's grown into. I mean, it's millions of pages. I mean, it's insane. And no one person can ever actually co possibly comprehend it, much less be in full compliance with it. And yeah. it's a nightmare. And that's where those, that's what needs to change too. And where I think ultimately people will have the ability uh, unfortunately, with the electronic system, though, it's like I would say the revolt that will come if it's possible that we can finally, you know, if, like if this spins out of control is going to be, first of all, just refusal to comply with government dictates, arbitrary government dictates. You know, like we're not paying your parking tickets. We're not paying your license fees. Go F yourself. Come get us. And if enough people do that, because we hold the power, we still hold Correct. the power. These politicians – Larkin Rose is called dangerous superstition. Um, he's a liber He's really an, a voluntarist, not I mean anarchist, but where he doesn't recognize. He said this is a superstition. If people people in their minds like adhere to the belief or uh, are willing to comply with the belief that government has power over us, because they don't ultimately, they don't have enough police, they don't have enough anybody, and even amongst those ranks, who's going to? They're like, trying to. They're trying to defund it. But but you, yeah. I want to say just on everything you're saying, I want you to continue. But this is that is breaking the matrix. It, legit, that's what this whole podcast is Definitely. about. Definitely. 
Yeah, amen. Yeah, no, good. An excellent name. It is. It's. It's. People are um, lulled into this sense that, well, you know, I guess I just have to go along. And we see the uh, the depth of this programming of people where, my God, overnight, everybody's like slapped on masks to the point where it's like, you can't even not wear a mask without being accosted by somebody who's like, wear the mask. You know, it's like, uh, go fuck yourself. Excuse yeah, my French, the but like, I don't know who you think you are. You better have like, uh, like sheafs of 50 years of studies that show that these things work, first of all, and even more <laughs> that shows that we're actually in a crisis situation that requires. But at the end of the day, it still is just the individual that gets to decide. Yes. Yeah. Ultimately, it's our. It's whether you're going to stand up. Just know these people have no power over you. It, it's an illusion. It's superstition. And if enough people say enough, we don't believe it. We don't obey you. What are they going to do? They don't have enough armies. They don't. I mean, we are. We outnumber them literally by these politicians by millions to to one in a sense. Like right. I mean, if you you break it down uh, at the federal level anyway. So you know and something. Um, that's why, they, that's, that's why they've resorted to manipulation, to disinformation, to uh, it's weakness that they have to do that indoctrination yeah they they prey on people's fears they prey on their ignorance they create their ignorance they weaken their minds they condition them um and that's what people should resist against and should push back against and that's why it makes me laugh at these people who claim to want uh you know a, a new a new order and we want people you know to be those these corporations and stuff and it's like the biggest corporation of all is the united states government people i mean this is like the uh, this is the evil and, and it's and i tell you I, I clerked for the delaware court of chancery which is like a premier you know business court in the world and we had you know there was tests of of um various duties and like things that eat, a corporation has to meet to be legitimate where it's operating it has you know duty of loyalty duty of uh good faith and, and fair dealing and all these things equity and i said my god the, the federal government would be if it was a corporation that had to go through even like the most uh sort of um sort of surface level superficial tests to determine whether a corporate uh, entity is operating validly within its charter. It would have been decommissioned 150 years ago, the federal government, because it has broken every possible fair dealing, good faith, uh, you know, duty of honesty, <laughs> good care, all this stuff. I mean, my God, it's like a, it's, if it was a corporation, they would all be in prison, literally. Right. You know, and I want to touch on something you, you mentioned earlier, but I wanted to say how Trump kind of the way he sometimes in these press conferences, he'll say things and he says, you've seen this, you've, you watch this or, and you know, you know what I'm talking about, or they know. And he kind of, what it is, is what he's, it is such a subliminal thing that I've noticed, but he believes in the individual. Like he actually believes that you know what he's talking about. When he says, you know, I brought the, he brings something up and he says something and he says, but you already, I mean, you've seen this, you know. Yes. This. Yeah. Yeah. And so exactly. it's kind of this like. He's giving people yeah. credit to like see the bullshit, see through the. Yes. You know, this is a thing that's really horrifying. It's for years, it's always been this like uh, double narrative, this facade, the narrative, you know, they talk about the narrative and, and how's it look, the optics. And it's all about like this uh, and the Clintons really ushered this in where it was like there's the reality and then there's like the narrative there's like everybody has to go along with this bullshit you know phony facade that that poses as what's reality uh you know the fake phony fights that go on between it used to be you know i mean we have one party in power i mean the power right, party right. you know the democrats are, well i have to say you know and people don't want to say it, the republicans have a, a fighting chance with people like rand paul jim jordan these guys who have integrity and have been fighting back against the system uh, against this this duopoly you know and you can see like trump became that wedge i mean he came in he like really 
galvanize the fact of like, these people do not represent you. They do not represent your interests. They're a bunch of crooks and scammers. They're in it for their own deal and they hate them for, I mean, the amount of bile and hatred and everything they've thrown at Trump shows you that he is right over target and he knows exactly what he's talking about. And he may be crass and indelicate, but look, he's dealing with people who are thieving parasites who have no regard for humanity, no regard for their fellow citizens, have literally hitched a ride on people's backs and have progressively and increasingly sought to expand their power and their their uh, you know their control over everybody and the wealth that they can dictate and manage um, and you know have, have become essentially um, you know sort of interests on the outside like these large corporations that have the same interest in like basically forcing out competition and controlling the market exclusively in a monopolistic way um, it's a symbiosis which ultimately is the definition of fascism and Trump stands against that and that is exactly why. They hate him so much, and it's like if right. we, if we are, if they're able to manipulate him out of office, uh, rather than have the landslide that we see coming, which they're trying yeah. to rig, rig this nonsense with this. I'm sorry, but if you want mail-in balloting, the requirements to meet that have to be more stringent than if you were in person. You would better have a biometric fingerprints. I don't care what it is. If you're going to mail your ballot in, you better have some foolproof, absolute multi-stage system that verifies with absolute surety that that person is, that's their only vote. That's who they say they are, that they exist in the first place. Yeah. They've legitimately filled it out. Otherwise, no, you're not going to, how, how do we do this? Do you, I have to show an ID to go in and vote in person yet. I could just mail it in and I don't have to show anything. I could just be, I mean, give me a break. This yeah, is just, yeah. they are setting up a fraud unlike we've ever seen. The Correct. Democrats have always been vote stealing um, election thieves and, and uh, fraudsters. This is just like, I mean, they are so diabolical, man. And I, I don't mean to sound partisan, like, you know, old Republicans, Democrats, um, but they really are a corrupt. Ultimately, no, they've, they've, uh, they've, they've breeded into the, the worst politician like control freaks you've ever seen. And you mentioned Rand Paul and others, the Republican party we know is not perfect, uh, but they're at least reasonable and and with they're a leader trying like trump. to do the right thing at least you know right. they're trying and, and to like i mean look at trump trump is a moderate democrat from 30 years ago he's, yeah, no, he's, a, like, he's a new he's york no, liberal yeah he's no libertarian you know uh government slashing i mean he's a big government guy i mean i don't i don't like that about him but my god it's better than the alternative at least it's in the hands of people who believe in free enterprise and want to trust the american public and keep taxes low and try to like have a, a an actual defense of the country and not turn us into the uh, policemen of the world insinuate us into foreign uh, interventions conflicts i mean the, trump is the first president uh you know really i mean even carter had to sort of got sucked into it but i mean He's, they hate him from the neoconservative, globalist, military, industrial establishment um, interveners hate him because he refuses and to, to you know, go with their war plans, their endless war plans, and moreover is trying to like pull us out and get, bring us back home. I mean, this is unheard right. of. This yes. man has painted a target on his back unlike anybody since John F. Kennedy, and we know what was yep. done to him. We didn't get to cover that, but I would be glad to come back next time we can talk JFK because that's that would be sort cool. of, I, I realize know. that that is a long conversation on the JFK subject too. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's why I fear for Trump because as different as he is in terms of personal style, JFK was very elegant and, you know, uh, erudite. Um, he really is so much like JFK. He's wealthy. He's independent. He's not beholden to them, anybody in the government and he's pissed all of them off 
you know, to the, to, to like no end to like, literally right. they have, they're out for blood. They would kill this man, literally would kill this man if they could. And that's sick and sad and demented. And, and these people cannot succeed. And I urge everybody to, you know, do whatever you can to be involved, to you know, get your fellow citizens to push back against this. Uh, you don't look like Trump is in an imperfect vessel for this, but we cannot like let this, we cannot let them succeed. And one of the things when I said, when Trump got elected in 2016, uh, I said, you know, it's not so much for me that Trump wins. It's that the Clinton crime machine doesn't succeed. And yeah. this is what it is. Trump, it's not a victory for Trump. It's a defeat for their politics of manipulation and deceit and what we've seen where they can just bully and buffalo and lie and uh, uh, just, I mean, absolutely corrupt their way into into power and destroy somebody who is legitimately elected by the people and was there for the people to represent their interests, you know, again, as imperfect as he may be. Yeah. He's accomplished a lot. And uh, there's people don't even know. I was just talking to my roommate and told him about the first step act and some of the, you know, the crime reform. And then I just, he just said, what that, you know, he did that kind of thing. And, and it's just a lot of that stuff that people don't know about. And uh, he has done a lot. He has done a lot. so, so bad. Like, I mean, look, I'm, I'm let somebody fall or rise in their merits, but people are evaluating Trump. And I think it's, I think literally the, the typical of the leftists and the media, they've overplayed their hand. They are so, they can never let off. They can never just step back and say, you know what? If the man's that bad, let him hang himself. You know, if he's really racist, no, they have to control. They have to like tell you and program and indoctrinate and they can never come off it. That's why they have to have phony polls showing that, you know, Biden's beating. All they do is defeat themselves because first of all, they expose people look with their own eyes. I mean, people when they're waking up, they're not waking up to think, oh, gee, you know, I was a Trump supporter. Now I think he's awful. For every I have never, that's a really good point. Never I've met never anybody. No, somebody, they all, I've never met anyone who is a Trump supporter and then now is a Democrat or wants to support right. Joe Biden. Yeah. Because you don't wake up by going to sleep, okay? You wake yeah. up by seeing the reality that not the fake narrative, not the media's ridiculously absurd, caricaturized, exaggerated uh, version of this man or of what's going on. As and, I said, he's, he's a moderate Democrat. We, Nothing he does policy-wise is in the slightest bit controversial, except maybe not involving us as you know regime changers and kingmakers overseas and spilling trillions in American blood and treasure into foreign soils to benefit private, you know, large corporate interests or some sort of messianic uh, vision held by a small cabal of of people who are tied to the defense industry and so forth. Other than that, though, I mean. The guy's just, I mean, he, he is good for business in America. And I, I will say, look, the business of America is business, okay? It's not politics. It's not government. It's not, you know, socialism and, you know, where Bernie Sanders and all his pipe dreams, nor Joe Biden's, you know, political careerism either. Right. And, and Trump, uh, you know, get in, get out, term limits, folks. If anything, you can push and, and push for it all. Term limits, term limits, term limits. I worked for Newt Gingrich in the 1995 contract with America. We took over the Congress. It was a revolutionary thing after 40 years of Democrat control built up this giant uh, Leviathan, you know, system. We came in, the one thing they couldn't get done was term limits because they didn't have the two thirds. The Democrats were, you know, it's, it says so much that the Democrats are inalterably opposed to term limits because it shows you that they just absolutely feel that they are the divine right, um, you know, heirs and, and sort of, uh, whatever, um, beneficiaries of this massive uh, honking uncontrollable system that forever they can you know run around and play their games and and benefit from it and do nothing work produce nothing uh and and 
you know, control people's lives and arbitrarily do whatever. And so, you know, I guess, uh, I think the Democrat party is going to make itself extinct, you know, and I, I just soon see no parties. And frankly, if it comes down to it, we are supposed to be a federal Republic. We're supposed to be States, you know, have individual, you know, experiments, uh, in yes. democracy. I mean, I would rather see this country, uh, say, you know what, we had a good run for 246 years, whatever it be, um, 245 years. If it's going to be turned into a, a totalitarian dictatorship, let's just, you know, let's just end it. California, you want to, you want to live like a, like some sort of banana Republic out of Central America with your, with your little primped, uh, you know, uh, dictators like uh, Newsom and these people, then you have at it. But you know what, Colorado or Arizona or North Dakota, South Dakota, whoever, we're not going to be Texas. We're not going to be part of that. You know, right. And, I'd hate to see that happen. I think our, our uh, you know, the unity around the constitution and its principles of the enlightenment of Western civilization of like humanity right. um, should be sustained and should, should endure. But at this point, if the national uh, government and the idea of the USA as a government, you know, national government is more anathema to that, I just assume get, you know, say, look, just get rid of it. You know, if you want to be under the stars and stripes, great, we'll do that. But if you're looking to change this, uh, uh, you know, fundamentally alter the relationship between people and government where we're not, again, a self-governing republic, but a, uh, a tyranny uh, of elites, uh, bureaucratic distant elites, then forget it, man. Like just end it, you know, put it out of its misery. Hopefully yeah. that doesn't happen though. And yeah. We, and I think in that, Trump's second term, like we really do need to see really like this QAnon idea of mass arrests or j just rolling up people because we need that. Uh, America needs that. We need to see crimes, you know, be prosecuted in a very just way. Because if think, we don't well, have we can, that, we'll yeah. continue. Well, unfortunately, they've, they've built a system that, uh, you know, believe me, I, I had hoped for it for years to see uh, you know, the people prosecuted when they commit these crimes and, or just the fact that people aren't exempt from the law, even especially the ones they create like Biden and his family with the drug, well, drug yeah, war is one example. example. Yeah. Or just generally the corruption that goes on um, where, you know, or in Roger Stone's case, prosecuted by prosecutors who are criminals themselves. They are liars. They've contrived charges. They railroaded this man, a prosecutor who would uh, betray public trust or the, the duty they owe to the justice system. The idea of justice are the worst criminals of all because they're literally destroying people's lives, innocent people's lives by using abusing power. I mean, they're worse than any criminal I can think of yet. They go on and they continue. So, um, but what I think it's going to happen. It's going to have to be generational replacement. Unfortunately, look, Ocasio-Cortez may be like the Pied Piper of the Democrat, you know, socialist left, but I see a lot of good, young uh, libertarian freedom oriented um, libertarian small L again, uh, freedom oriented, free enterprise oriented, like servant people who want to serve and their fellow man. They don't want a you know, big political career and to be a big shot like Joe Biden. I think you'll see uh, this young guy, for example, in um, North Carolina, I think has taken over um, uh, the guy, uh, the paralyzed Med guy. Yes. Meadow seat. Yeah. An a perfect example. There's a lot of young talent. I mean, yourself, I mean, you're someone who has, you should be involved. I mean, I'd like to consider myself still part of that in some way, even though I, you know, ran several times and, uh, against, you know, immense odds and, and, uh, started to make a difference until they just you know, literally crushed me. Right. But, but the point is though, I don't think we're going to see some kind of radical departure from what the current, uh, you know, it has to be a generational shift. It's not going to be yep. a radical thing. And that's fine because I think the upheaval from that, 
much as we'd like to set the precedent, I think we just need to uh, get re- good people together to elect those who rep- want to represent us, not rule us, yes, and who are ethical. And it's just as simple as that, you know. And it, yes, it's unfortunate that what you know what psychopaths do is they get into these positions and they want to make it so uh, untenable and distasteful and horrible for people who are good to operate, to be part of that. It's like, I mean, I saw it too. It's like, God, you know, like who wants to do this? Who wants to deal with these scum, these people who are deceitful, treacherous, conniving, backstabbing, self-dealing. But, you know, I think, um, unfortunately you had kind of have to swim in, in the shark tank to ultimately locate and get rid of all the sharks. Right. Not that, not that we want to on a natural, whatever in politics anyway. So, um, and to even to wrap this up too, and just, you know, cause it's, I said something on my Facebook. I said, we're, uh, why are people attacking Joe Biden? We're not against Joe Biden. We're, we're literally against the, we have to destroy. I'm against I Joe said, Biden. Well, I know I'm against <laughs> Joe Biden too. But my point was like, we have to destroy communism again and, and yeah. socialism. Yeah. We have to destroy that because that's the, you know, that's going to bring up the next, you know, venom. Yeah, Biden's next, just a front you know, man. He's just a puppet. Totally. He's just a shell at this point. hundred um, percent. And you know, here's the thing is, is I, one thing I've realized in America, first of all, we have the second amendment and we have a heavily armed citizenry, unlike any other in the world. And that has always been a backstop against ultimate tyranny in this country. Number one, number two, I think uh, it's kind of like if to use a star Wars, um, a reference, if, if you remember the original star Wars, which was like, you know, changed my life when I saw it. I was uh, yes. five years old in, wow. in, in May of 77. We went to the theater and saw it. And I was like, you know, didn't want to see it for some reason. I remember just being like, I don't want to see this movie. And went in and I was like forever changed, came out of that and <laughs> became a like addict or not addict, but whatever, a little uh, f- uh, fanboy. And so and I just remember when uh, Leia is talking to Governor Tarkin and she says, you know, the more you the tighter you squeeze, the more star systems are going to slip through your fingers. And that's exactly what I think ultimately it is. There's a level, a point beyond which the people aren't just, they're not going to take it anymore. You know what I mean? It's, we're not, Pinnacle. we're not going to be corralled, corralled and buffaloed. I think it, it's like, and also similarly to uh, Lincoln's great quote, you can fool some of the people some of the time or all the time, excuse me, and all the people some of the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. And what they propose is entirely too, uh, um, what's the word? It's too um, oppressive, I guess. And just, you know, it's either gonna, it's either gonna collapse under its own weight because nobody bothers to like comply with it and they're not gonna go along with it. Uh, or we're gonna just throw it off our shoulders. And I think ultimately, unfortunately, we might have to go through some agonies before it happens, but, um, I think people are just not going to put up with it. And ultimately there will be a backlash. There will be a, uh, a pushback. And these people who have been proven wrong for centuries now uh, in their ideology, which is always the same rehash uh, anymore. They don't even bother with it. It's just like, make us, it used to be the Democrats always had this like, you know, utopian vision they're talking about. Not even that anymore. It's just like destroy the other side, lie about them. They're racist. They're evil. You know, like try to uh, defame the other side into power. So they, they're they're reaching rock bottom anymore, pretty much, which is a good thing because it means uh, they really don't have much gas left. People are wise to them. I just you know, and then they've resorted to indoctrination. Unfortunately, they've, you know, the education system is no longer education. It's indoctrination. But I think with the internet, with uh, the availability of information, with the, frankly, the collapse of the system and, and the, uh, you know, incursion or the uh, proliferation of choice in, in education, um, people will ultimately get educated and informed and wise up. And 
Uh, I've never, you know, I'll quote Winston Churchill again. Um, he said, you know, if you're, if you're not a liberal when you're young, you don't have a heart. But if you're not a conservative when you get older, you don't have a brain. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of people who realize when they start having to earn and live in the real world that this idea of this like um, political utopia run by people who can't even run their own lives um, is, is, a, is a complete farce. It's a complete uh, myth. It's a, it's a um, you know, fairy tale. And, but you can't sit back and hope somebody else is going to do it, get involved, you know, speak out, speak about the principles of liberty and principles of ethical limited government. The Constitution, it all comes back to the Constitution. It's all there. Those guys gave us, a, bequeathed us a, a timeless and universal set of principles that uh, deserve and must be upheld and ultimately will be as long as yes. mankind is uh, able to um, you know, have some level of, as long as we're not literally in the matrix enslaved, you know, in this yeah. Borg, uh, whatever. So break, you know, breaking the matrix. I'm all about it, man. Yeah. Chose, I chose a good name. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate everything and uh, your time and all of this, this has been awesome. And I think people really got something from it. Um, and you know, they've learned, you know, they've learned about what, where we're at today. So I just want to say that's awesome, man. And I want to say any last words, if you feel like, departing on anything in particular, share it now and then we'll close this off. No, I no, I appreciate everything you do and what you've said. And I think you're, you're, a, you know, a leader um, and someone who is giving uh, your generate, you know, folks of your, uh, your peers as well as others. I mean, a sense that uh, look, it's not just a hopeless morass out there. And a lot of it is, has to do so much has to do with your attitude and with your outlook. Uh, folks, don't let don't let it get you down. Okay, they want you depressed. They want you demoralized. They want you feeling like there's no hope and just like oh, you know. So you'll just like concede to them. They'll hand them your your uh, your hand them power. You'll let them. You're know, just like oh, just make it stop. You know what? Hang in there. Uh, it's gonna get dark and maybe a bit term maybe turmoil. But like ultimately, the other side of this will be uh, a greater um, expansion of freedom than ever has been seen on this earth, and it's worth it. It's worth it for the next generation. It's worth it for 100%. the kids, the grandkids, and everybody after us. We want to leave this world a more free place than it ever was before. And as we have been given by those who, you know, lost, gave their lives for it. I don't think, you know, people need to, I think, also uh, comprehend that it's not, you know, veterans and the, the World War II, especially who I grew up knowing a lot of these guys. I mean, the sacrifices that were made so that people could run around and do what they do in this society and be this free are, are really, really profound. And uh, they're not just some distant memory or history. I mean, the blood that was shed to give us our freedoms deserves eternal respect, gratitude, and honor. Wow. Very well put. I could go all day about that in particular, just with studying. Well, we will history. next time. I know. And that's awesome. So I appreciate you. We'll go ahead and close it off. Guys, share this, share this podcast, you know, with people that you know need to hear this, who need to understand these fundamental things about politics and about where we're at today and how important it is now. You know, you got to kind of put down your your uh, your uh, your pitchfork and your your hoe, if you will, and pick up the musket and actually fight for the future of this country because it means that much. So I appreciate you guys watching. Peace.